grace and peace, and welcome to another episode of Your Week with St. Luke's, our weekly podcast at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando. Our hope is that these podcasts will be an opportunity to take a, a deeper dive into the text of the week ahead and to, to seek to learn, live, love, and lead our lives uh, in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. My name is Jad Denmark, and I'm one of the pastors at St. Luke's, and we're excited for the year ahead. Uh, this year, 2024, all year, our theme is purposeful. And so we'll be looking at different aspects of what it means to live a purposeful life, especially coming off of last year where we discerned God's vision for us as a church. Now we want to think about how do we live more purposefully into that vision. So this week we start a, a new series, Life on Purpose, Lessons from Lasso. We'll be We'll be taking scripture lessons and lessons from the Apple TV show, Ted Lasso, and bringing them together to bear for how we are to live our lives more, more fully on purpose and with purpose. And this week, as we move towards Sunday, the life on purpose lesson is to live a relational life. And our text for this week is Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. So hear these words from the Common English Translation. As Jesus passed alongside the, sea, the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, throwing fish nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and they followed him. After going a little further, he saw James and John, Zebedee's sons, in their boat repairing the fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them. They followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers. Our text here is made up of two consecutive encounters, verse 16 through 18 and verse 19 and 20. These two encounters have three parts in them if we want to help break down the text to understand its work. The first is the, the setting found in verse 16 and then in verse 19, fishermen by the sea. The second is the, the summons or the, the call. Come, follow, found in verse 17 and verse 20. And then the third piece is the, the response they, they left and followed, found in verse 17 and 21. Now, some might categorize this text as, as a divine call narrative. It is very reminiscent of that call of Elisha, found in 1 Kings 19. Elisha is called away from plowing the fields to become a disciple and eventually the successor of the great prophet Elisha. Here, too, we have ordinary people doing ordinary work, called to leave what they are doing, called to leave their, their families, their livelihood, and to follow. Now, this is the first public act of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. 
the call of fishermen to follow him, to be his disciples, to discipleship, and to make disciples, to be a part of discipleship. And, you know, what's interesting is that throughout Mark, the disciples fail to understand what Jesus says and does, but, but here they, they seem to be willing to, to actually follow. But throughout the rest of the gospel, they don't seem to fully get it. And, and all the time they're kind of fumbling and not following more fully. And it always leads us to ask, why does Mark write it this way, depicting the disciples as, as failures? Mark may include these flaws to make them seem more real to his audience, to all of us, that, that we might see ourselves, who often fail and definitely have flaws, we'll see ourselves just like the disciples that, that Jesus calls. And the, the fact that these four are named and their call is, is set aside, that is separate from the others, appears to point to the idea that, that these four disciples of Jesus, evidently, there's evidence there, had been long beloved individuals in the communal memory of the earliest of Christians, that earliest community of Christians seemed to have a great heart and a fondness for these four disciples of Jesus. There's, there's also literary evidence uh, such as direct in that vivid style that we always seem to find, seem to find, we directly find that in Mark, we find that the, the, the running of clauses with and, and the repeated points about leaving all to follow Jesus, all that seems to suggest the use of this story in the earliest of Christian teachings and preachings a lot of scholars believe that what we have here is one of the earliest stories that is told about Jesus. As an exemplar for all of us, these four disciples, that we too should, should follow Jesus the way they have. Here in Mark, as soon as Jesus announces the kingdom of God, he invites people to enter it. Follow me. And the second part of that call is, for those who have entered the kingdom to invite others, I'll make you fishers of men. It seems for Mark, in this early community of Christians, the kingdom of God is corporate. It is not individualistic. It is not for an individual. It is for all, the corpus, the body, the body of believers, the community. As New Testament scholar Lamar Williams says, Mark offers no solo salvation, no individualization or individualistic reign of the rule of God. This is corporate. This is relational. Mark uses five personal names here. Simon and Andrew, James and John, and their father, Zebedee. This, this use of personal names and, and Mark's use of geographical names, the, the Sea of Galilee and the action of walking along the shore. And Mark also uses the specific things, a net, the boats, the hired servants. And Mark uses action, casting nets, mending nets, and following. All of these, these very 
image-driven words, all of them come together to give the reader the sense of participation in the scene. We are part of what's happening here as we read it. I wonder, as you read this in your small groups, in your Life Together groups, in your Bible study groups this week, how you might read it over and over again and placing yourselves in one of the characters in this text. It is so vivid and so real. Mark draws his reader into the story, into this scene, that, that we might hear Jesus calling us and, and that we might, like Jesus, might call others into this kingdom of God. And, and notice, the, the only words spoken here are those of Jesus. In this way, it's, it's quite simple. Jesus calls and they follow. These two uh, consecutive encounters where Jesus appears to four ordinary men who are doing routine and ordinary jobs. Jesus calls and they follow. Where it gets complex is where uh, Feeney Perkins, a brilliant scholar of the New Testament and professor at, at Boston University, notes the great cost of this discipleship. For it appears in the text that these four fishermen uh, have made a career of this, and, and at least for Zebedee, James and John's father, it, it's a family business, and it's fairly lucrative because they employ people, right? It's, it's something that's expanding and, and growing. That the cost of discipleship for these four fishermen and for all of us can be great. And while some may claim following Jesus is walking on clouds of marshmallows, Dr. Perkins points out that these four seem to have this lucrative family business. They drop everything to follow Jesus. There is a cost, and that cost is different for every one of us. But I wonder what all the things that are getting in the way of you following Jesus more fully and completely. Following Jesus and giving up the things that may, may cost you something. See, this, this follow me confronts us all with the decision. A decision that lies deeper than the question of earning a living or the question of vocation or profession. Who are you called to be? Who are you called to follow? Or maybe, who are you following? Jesus' call to discipleship focuses on the question of ultimate faithfulness. It speaks to Christians whose lives have become mundane, whose discipleship has maybe degraded into a preoccupation with things like nets and boats and hired hands, as one scholar says, instead of the kingdom of God. What things have been preoccupied, you've been preoccupied with? What things have taken more of your time and attention? What things do you find in your hands and in your life that are holding you to the boat and not allowing you to the shore to follow Jesus? What things are getting in the way of you fully and faithfully following Jesus? 
You see, the power of this text is is rooted in its relation and its connection to Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus announces that kingdom, and then he calls us all to follow. And these four, they immediately follow, turning their back to their past. And as we mentioned in the past, the word immediate is throughout Mark's gospel. Here, the immediate speaks to the, to the fullness of time. You see, it's not only about four fishermen at this specific point in time. It's also about us here now at our point in time. The heart of discipleship is the actualization of the kingdom of God here and now in our lives, following Jesus here and now. And the last bit is, is it's not something we do in isolation. It's something we do together. It's not just an invitation that Jesus makes for us to follow, but it's that second part that Jesus says, as you enter the kingdom of God, as you follow me, you are to invite others into the kingdom of God, into the grace and love of Jesus. You are to invite others to follow Jesus, just as I have invited you. Well, blessings to you all. As you read this text, as you read it over and over again, read it in other translations, as you have conversations about about what it means to follow Jesus, to hear God's call in your life, and to be a part of a community in relationship together. I pray that all of that might be a great blessing and challenge to you. And as you prepare for worship on Sunday, uh, we hope to see you in worship with us. Grace and peace and have a blessed week.